Hi, guys. This is very intimate, huh? All right. Hello. Like Sarah mentioned, my name is Tina. And let me just briefly introduce myself. Yes, I was the campus director of Yonsei for the past four years doing full-time ministry. And in this season, I felt called to even uh, step into uh, pursuing uh, just God's heart for the marketplace. And so, I mean, if you guys have questions about that, you guys could talk to me later, but I'm not preaching on that tonight. Uh, but yes, my name is Tina, and I'm from Chicago, Illinois. Anybody from the Midwest? Chicago or where? Yeah. Where are you from? Yeah. I have a hard friend, Diana. Anyways. Uh, it's nice being up here. Honestly, I'm just so honored to be standing in front of you guys uh, to preach. So thank you, Sarah Sa, for allowing me to have the pulpit. And, you know, coming on this campus, I actually also was a Yonsei Exchange student for one year in 2009. <laughs> and so back then, Pastor Aaron was the executive director, and uh, it was Pastor Marcus who preached on Sunday if you attended New Philly. And... Um, Brian Kim and Matt Walker. And so during my college years, that's when God just encountered me in the most intimate of ways. You know, for me, I had a Christian background, born and raised. Therefore, I knew who God was. But I think during my college year, he really caused me to step into my identity as his beloved daughter and strip away all striving desire, all striving spirit and just be like, Tina, you are you. You are uniquely you. And just be just move according to how I want to move through Tina. And so, um, yeah, I think, you guys, this is a very special. And like I said up here, you know, as I was just praying for you guys, I honestly just felt God's just tremendous love overflowing for you. And I can get a little bit emotional, but I'm going to, you know, not <laughs> I'm going to suck in my tears and not cry. But yeah. You know, God has a very special plan for each and every one of you. And, you know, I think from the moment I was a student, student and even before that, there were students, there were a crew, there were people praying for me, right? And I got transformed. And then the semester that, there were students I prayed for the following semester. And then when I came back as crew staff, I, I was, you know, the students that we were ministering to were praying for the students after that. And then after that, and then now you guys are fruit of those prayers. And not just that, this semester is coming to a close. And I want you guys to know that you're part of a much bigger story. And you are going to pray and sow into next semester. And that will be, they will be a fruit of your prayers. Okay. Um, you know what? Okay. So I'm going to start my message. I'm going to first ask, so how is everybody doing tonight? How are you doing tonight? Great. Good. I, wanna, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I want you to turn to that same person and be like, hey, how are you doing really? Okay, I'm not going to give you guys time to like answer right now. But what I'm saying is, you know, this is a very generic, almost cliche kind of question, right? And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but maybe some of you felt a little uncomfortable being like, ooh, this is getting a little, I actually, really? Uh, mm, good. I'm a little stressed. 
oh, actually, I'm a little overwhelmed. Um, I'm really busy, right? And so we just, you know, but then when you think about this question, it has almost become just a filler of everyday conversation to start a conversation. So you say, how are you doing? How are you doing? But honestly, do you really wait until they answer how they're doing? For me, I'm just like, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, and that happened this week, and you want to meet for this week. And then I just, that becomes a filler, filler for me to just start a conversation. But the title of my sermon tonight is this. How are you doing? Really? Okay. I want that to sink in. How are you doing? Really? So it's been exactly a month since the Emmaus retreat. Who was at the retreat? Okay. A ha- majority of you. If you weren't, that blessing is going to go to you. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was at the retreat as well. And I want you guys to just remember... Um, it was a month ago, so really time flies. It's cold now, right? And, you know, just think about it. Like, all the revelations you had of just who God is, what it means to walk in freedom in Christ, right? Pastor Anna was preaching about freedom, what it means to walk in your identity, what it means to be fearless, what it means to uh, just have an intimate relationship with the Lord, right? Do you remember the time when you guys came to the front and you knelt down before the Lord, And say, Jesus, you are worthy of my praise. I also was one of those that that knelt down before the Lord and just was worshiping God and saying, Jesus, you are worthy. You deserve more than this. You are so good. Remember that time? Student leaders, four-year students, do you remember the time when you guys came up and got messed up (laughs) at the altar? Do you remember that time? I remember some of y'all faces. I, I remember, I'm not going to call you guys up, but some of them, like on the ground wailing because you were encountering Jesus. Do you remember this time? So how are you doing since then? Really? So for tonight, I want, just for right now, okay, this is a very safe environment. I want us to just ask ourselves, how am I really doing? How am I really doing? Okay, and so tonight's passage, I'm just going to read it to you guys. It's from Luke 10, 25 to 37. Luke 10. I had it open, but it's lost. Wait a second. Luke 10, 25 to 37. And this is a very popular, very famous parable that Jesus gave. Just listen, all right? I'm going to read it and just receive. Okay. And behold, a lawyer stood up. Oh, it's titled The Parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly to this and you will live. And he desired and he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. 
But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Okay, let me pray. Let's close our eyes. Holy Spirit, we just invite you in this place. Uh, Jesus, thank you for um, the word that will be released and that, um, yeah, thank you for your love that will be released. God, we are so um, amazed by who you are and we are so thankful just to be here together um, in your presence, God. And so, Lord, I pray, yeah, may you just move in our hearts today, tonight, right now, and just bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you guys heard of this parable before? For those of you guys who um, went to church, I'm sure this is a very uh, familiar passage, familiar parable. Uh, and, you know, one thing that I want to make clear is this. Tonight's passage, I'm not going to teach you how to behave like a good Samaritan. That's not what I'm going to teach on. I'm not going to teach you on how to be a good Christian. Exactly. Ew. Right? <laughs> but tonight, I want us to engage in the passage. We're going to engage in the passage. And my hopes is, as we journey through this parable, um, that you're going to discover who you are and who Jesus is. The word is living and active today. Therefore, as we just engage, as we put ourselves in the position of these characters, Jesus will be the one speaking to you. Are you guys ready? Okay. So let's begin. So in verse 25 to 28, that's the very beginning portion. Here you find a lawyer or a religious scholar, uh, that message version says, um, who was an expert in the Mosaic law, which is also known as the law of Moses, right? Old Testament laws. The man, a Jew, stood up to test Jesus. And you know what? The word test doesn't necessarily mean he was trying, trying to prove Jesus wrong and be like, Jesus, like, you know, I'm going to test you and I'm going to make it clear that you're wrong and everything that you're saying is heresy. You know, it wasn't that. Okay. Um, he wasn't trying to test Jesus. He was just trying to sort of understand uh, what, where Jesus is coming from. Right. However, you know, one thing that you can actually sort of gain from this passage is the spiritual state of the lawyer, his heart. And he was asking God, uh, he was asking God, Jesus, right? Um, what do you have to do in order to inherit eternal life? So there was this assumption that you had to do something in order to attain eternal life. And so this, you could sort of tell from the questions that this lawyer was asking. So then how does Jesus respond? He responds so graciously with another question. Okay. And he has the lawyer answer it himself, answer the question himself. And then Jesus asks, so what is written in the law? How do you read it? And then the lawyer said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbors as well. The first and second greatest commandments, correct? 
Mm. And so here he gives the right answer, right? And so when you hear this passage, you may just sort of assume, oh, maybe this lawyer thought relationship was very important. But actually the lawyer, when he said this, it was just a law to the lawyer. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You shall love your God and you shall love your neighbors. This was a law to the lawyers, to the lawyer, okay? And it's not the kind of lawyers that you're thinking about. He's, you know, I I already said, religious scholar. And so Jesus probably knew in advance that this scholar, this religious scholar would give the correct answer, right? He probably knew that and would give an excellent answer. And would you guys agree that he did? He gave a legit answer. Okay, and here Jesus said to him, you answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Uh, (laughs) I actually like the message version better. He you sort of feel the emotions of Jesus. And I don't know. I sometimes feel like Jesus can be a little bit sarcastic, too. And in the message, it says, good job. That's how I read it. Said Jesus, do it and you do it and you will live. Right. But the good job, I see like, good job. You gave the right answer. Do it and you will live. (laughs) But as you read on, this is not the answer that the lawyer wanted at all. Okay, in twenty nine. It says uh, he actually desired to justify himself uh, or according to message, he created a loophole, a loophole because he didn't get the answer that he wanted. And then he asked Jesus okay, then who is my neighbor? Jesus, who is my neighbor? The word neighbor in Greek means someone who is near, and in Hebrew means someone that you have association with. Okay, And so Jesus' answer, Jesus' answer was not the answer that the lawyer wanted. And so if you see sort of, let's put ourselves in the lawyer's perspective. If we see it in his perspective, we can assume that the lawyer, who was a Jew, believed that he was obeying the law. Can you guys agree with me? He was obeying the law. He was loving others as himself. He was loving God, right? And he was actually practicing the two laws. And from his perspective, his neighbors were the Israelites and everybody else were considered aliens. Okay? So the lawyer, technically Jesus sort of trapped him. In his mind, he was following the law and living a good life. And so we can assume that he actually, when he was asking Jesus this, I don't know, because he knows everything about what it means to be a good believer, right? Believer, we can assume that he actually did not care about the whole how do you get into how do you attain eternal life. But rather, maybe he just wanted Jesus because Jesus is someone that they highly respect, right? To confirm that he was good. That pretty much saying, "Lawyer, you are living the good life. You are good. You are you are the best of the best Christian, or whatever, right?" And so here, I'm sure that a lot of us can relate. Can you? <laughs> you know about boasting about how we're living a good life, but then at the same time, we're a little bit too embarrassed to say it ourselves, being like, "Hey, I actually didn't do anything wrong. I'm living a really comfortable life. I'm living a good life. I'm not sinning here. I'm not sinning. I'm not living like that person. I'm not going out to the clubs. You know, I'm going out to Mayus every single week." Um, I'm going out to familiar faithfully. And then you come to Sarah saw and you sort of go around about and be like, Hey, I'm not doing any of these. Right. And Sarah says, good, great. Good for you. Right. But in reality, you may have wanted her to be like, Hey, I'm so proud of you. 
You're being such a good believer. I mean, I'm sure she does that too, but technically he was stating the obvious. The lawyer just wanted to get reaffirmed because he was insecure, all right? And so all of us, we desire to be affirmed, and there's nothing wrong with that. But with the lawyer, he was trying to just get this and creating loopholes and all of these things and asking, so who is my neighbor then? And so what does Jesus do? He gives a story, okay? <laughs> Jesus, doesn't, Jesus doesn't answer him and say, okay, then who is your neighbor? He doesn't say this person or that person or that group or these groups, right? But he says, he gives a story. And he's like, well, all right. He gives a story about um, how there once was a man that traveled from Jerusalem to Jericho, right? And on the way, he gets attacked by robbers, okay? And then they took his clothes off, beat him, and went off, leaving him half dead. I'm reading the message version right now, so I'm going to finish it. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then Levite religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him when he saw the man's condition. His heart went out to him. His heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. It, if it costs any more, put it on my bill, and I'll pay you on my, back, on my way back. So here, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jer Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and he was stripped, and he was beaten, and half dead, okay? And if you guys know the road to Jerusalem, it's a very familiar road. All the Jews know what this road is. And the road to Jerusalem to Jericho was about 17 miles, okay? It's about 17 miles, and during Jesus' time, it was known to be extremely dangerous. Why? Because it was particularly the place where robbers would just hide and wait for travelers to gang up on them okay so now in this road now we're introduced to the priest the priest and the levite and the hero of the story who's the samaritan the good samaritan that we know of and in verse 31 um uh the writer writes luckily okay so we're going to first talk about the priest luckily the priest was on his way and what happened did the priest actually have compassion on this dude no he just left he actually went a different, he went like a different way and then walked past him. That's what the priest did. Same for the Levite. Same for the Levite. So it's ironic because these two individuals that their position, what they're supposed to do is actually have compassion on the broken, on the wounded, right? On the broken, on the wounded. He, he's a man that actually, that's his position is to have, to desire to help people. Yet, he didn't. He just avoided the injured man. And then lastly, he shares how the Samaritan, okay, the Samaritan came and helped this man. But I want you guys to note that the audience Jesus was telling this story to, they were all Jews. They were all Jews like himself. So the lawyer also that he was speaking to was a Jewish man. And he was well-versed in the Jewish law. Correct? And so therefore, it is likely that Jesus' audience heard a teaching like this before. And so while Jesus was teaching, they were probably like, yeah, 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 I know that road. Yeah, 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 that's really good. And they were just trying to affirm probably what they knew. But Jesus shared this story and it uh, put it, it they, put, <laughs> they put in a <laughs> setting that 
um, they he put it in a setting that they could actually relate to and understand. But then Jesus basically threw a curveball at them. He just went. Broop. And since these Jews were required to follow the oral and as, as well as the written law, they just probably assumed that the Pharisee would be the champion of this story. But the hero actually was the Samaritan. And Samaritans during this time was least likely to have shown compassion be- to this Jewish man because they were considered low class of people by the Jews uh, since they intermarried with non-Jews and did not keep the law. And so Jews actually had, didn't want to do anything with Samaritans. Jews were racist against the Samaritans. Okay? And so just think about that setting. Jesus is telling the story to Jewish people right? And they hear this, this kind of story. That's pretty offensive. That's very offensive. And he wasn't even saying your people help this man, but he was saying a Samaritan, someone that you guys don't care about, right? Don't even consider human. He's the one that helped this person that was half dead. He's the one that showed compassion on this man. He's the one, right? That this, most likely the guy that was on the ground was Jewish as well, right? So this Samaritan knowingly, knowing that this Jewish man didn't, most likely if he was able to even walk a little bit, would have been like, get out of my face. Don't even touch me. You're not worth it. But he was so helpless that he couldn't say that, right? The Samaritan man, or Samaritan, the good Samaritan knew this, yet he went out of his comfort zone. He died to himself, his own pride, and helped this man who was in need. He not only bandaged him, he humbled himself by actually putting this man on his animal and walking. But you guys have to understand the relationship between a Samaritan and a Jew. Okay? Then he brought him to this inn, which in our day couldn't be considered like Ritz-Carlton, or the Westin, or Sheraton Hotel, or any awesome hotel, uh, Banyan Tree, right? <laughs> it's considered that. So in our days, he put him in the best of the best hotel, right? Gave him his animal and put him on his animal. So most likely a really nice car. Think of your best car, Maserati, whatever. He put him in the front of the Maserati, dirtied it, okay? And not just that, he gave the innkeeper two months worth of his salary to take care of this man. And what, after that, he didn't just leave him there. He said, hey, actually, can you be here for this man until he's fully healed? And then I'll come back and pay the rest. Duh! I want a friend like the Samaritan. <laughs> he was so extravagant in giving. So extravagant in give, giving. And the craziest thing is, he didn't want anything from this Jewish man. He never said, hey, I did this for you, so now you owe me. He gave it all. And now in verse 36 and 37, right? I'm going to actually read the message version because we read ESV. But he says, what? So Je- Jesus says, so what do you think? Which of, th- which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly? The religious scholar responded, Jesus said, go and do the same. So Jesus asked the lawyer who he thinks is now the neighbor, right? 
But let's go back to the question that the lawyer asked. The lawyer asked, then who is my neighbor? Jesus didn't even answer that. Jesus says, you be the neighbor. (laughs) That's his answer. You be the neighbor. Right? And so the lawyer answers, but you know what the craziest is? The lawyer answers in actually a somewhat racist way. When Jesus asks, so then who is the good neighbor? Who is the neighbor? The Obviously, who was it? The Samaritan, right? Obviously. But the Jewish man, in his pride, the lawyer, he says, the one that did the good deeds, that acted kindly. He doesn't even mention the Samaritan. He's too good for the Samaritan, right? So he says, the one that, obviously, the one that did good. But from this, too, actually, if you see Jesus, if you just read about Jesus' response, was Jesus like, Oh, you are so selfish, you prideful man, you. You're so selfish. Don't you get the point? Like, did Jesus say that? No, he was still so kind. So kind. So now I want to go into, like, how can we relate to this? How can we relate to this story? And so how we're going to do this is actually digging into these characters. We're going to dig into the characters, okay? So I want you to ask yourself, if Jesus asked you this, so who's, who, which are, which person are you currently? Because this is pretty much what the lawyer, what Jesus asked the lawyer. I feel like that's what he wants to ask us tonight. So who do you think you are currently? You know, as much as I'm sure all of us want to confidently say, the good Samaritan Lord, I am the good Samaritan. Personally, I don't want to lie to God. Okay, we're here right now in the presence of the Lord. I don't want to lie to God and say, I am the good Samaritan because that is a lie. Okay, so as we begin to dissect these characters and ask ourselves, who am I in this story? You'll start to also answer, so how am I doing, really? So before we dissect as well, let me clearly state to you guys, I humbly admit that I relate to all these characters. All these characters, at least once in my lifetime, most likely last week. I was maybe, you know, I am the person half dead today. Last week, I might have been the priest. You know, like, we play, like, I could relate to all of them, and so I'm just saying, there's nothing wrong with you feeling this way. But ask yourself, so what am I actually, who can I relate with today? Be real and honest, genuine, walk in integrity, guys. I'm huge on integrity. Be real to yourself. Don't lie. Okay? So now let's begin with the lawyer. So here the lawyer, okay, we're gonna I'm gonna talk about the lawyer, okay? The lawyer, the Jew on the road that's half dead, the man, the priest and the Levite, we're gonna put them into one because they responded the same. And then lastly the Samaritan, okay? And so we're gonna just real quickly. The lawyer. So here the lawyer, he knows all scripture. He knows all scripture, and yet he tries to justify himself. He's now starting to make all these excuses, right? He's like, but Jesus, like, who is the neighbor? You don't, like, seriously, you know all of the law. You don't know the neighbor, but he tries to create a loophole, right? And he says, so who's the neighbor? Who's the neighbor? He tries to justify his actions. He knows what it means to live a good Christian life, right? He knows all the right and wrong, like, all the right answers, And he wants to believe that 
he doesn't know by asking, so who's the neighbor then? Okay, so now let's bring this into our sort of understanding of, of just life. As a believer, some of us here, I'm sure you're able to sort of relate with the lawyer. You know all the right things. You know all the right things. You know what it means to live a good Christian life. You know where to go, where not to go. You know who to talk to, who you should slightly avoid in the, in the season because you know you're going to be terribly influenced by that individual or individuals, right? Okay? You know exactly what you're supposed to do, but you make excuses to justify what you want to believe for yourself. So justify your actions, right? You, 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 like the lawyer, you try to justify everything. You're saying, I know what it means to live a good Christian life. Yet, Jesus, who is my neighbor? He, you know what, honestly, <laughs> he just didn't live, want to live an uncomfortable life. And living a Christian life, there's times where you can get a little bit uncomfortable. Right? But then this, this man, this lawyer, he was asking, then who is my neighbor? He's saying, I can't really, uh, I don't want to get uncomfortable, God. I don't want to get uncomfortable. I want to just live this good Christian life, follow all the rules, do it all right. But you know what? I see that person over there, but I don't, I don't think I could, I, I'm just really uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. That person scares me. I'm uncomfortable. That person seems a little bit too cool for me, or actually they seem like they're going to just shoot me right away if I say anything about you. Not like literally shoot, but like shoot what I say, right? Or I feel like that person like is so smart and well, like just knowledgeable about everything that's happening, even in culture. I'll just feel dumb next to them, Lord. I'm uncomfortable. So you know what? I'm just going to live this nice Christian life, come out to Emmaus every single week, every familia, but I'm just going to be comfortable. Okay? This is the lawyer. So have you ever felt like the lawyer? Have this kind of attitude. Okay? So now the Jew on the road. Okay? He's half dead. Have you ever been the person feeling like you're like dying on the street? Okay? Crying out for help, yet consistently no one is there to help you? They just pass by you? You know, I, I, I wonder. So sometimes when someone asks me, hey, how are you doing? I don't know what to answer. When they say, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. How are you doing really? I don't know. And there are times when I just want somebody to be like, hey, I feel like you're not doing that well. I feel like you're having some difficulty here in your life. And then, poof. <laughs> How'd you know? I'm in so much pain, right? You know, some of us, we just want somebody to reach out to us and be like, you're not okay. And you're screaming inside, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Can you stop making me do work for ministry? I'm not okay. <laughs> right? Can you stop, like, telling me, like, I'm, I'm really tired right now. I'm so scared right now. There's so many things happening with school. I'm overwhelmed. Like, all of these things are bombarding me. Actually, when I sleep, I can't sleep. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And you're that person in the road saying, help me, help me. And no one is there to help you. Why? Because for some of you guys in the Christian environment, you have to be strong. The Christian thing to do is, I'm okay. I'm okay. 
right? But inside you're like, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Please help me. All right, so now the priest and the Levite, okay? Because we have the priest and the Levite. Okay, the priest and the Levite. So in the natural, actually, in this story, it seems like the priest and Levite are doing quite well, okay? They look like they're doing quite well. They're caught up, actually, in the busyness of life. And so as much as it seems like, you know, these person, let's be real, what happened? The priest and the Levite passed by this guy who needed help. He wasn't, they just uh, avoided this individual. And ironically, these are people that preach, that teach to help these individuals. What? Right? So these individuals knew what it meant to live rightly, but they were missing the whole point. They were caught up in the busyness of life. In the busyness of life. You know, how many of us can actually relate to this? Like, we have a big dream God has given us. We're running after that, so we forget who's actually in need of help in front of us. Some of us in ministry, right? We're, we're like seeing these huge grand things for the ministry, huge grand things for Emmaus Campus Ministry of how, you know, we're going to see, and this is what I pray, the auditorium, the, 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 what is that thing called? The, yep, that huge outdoor one, right? Yeah. Like that whole, all the seats will be filled with people crying out to Jesus and being transformed by him. That's still a vision I have. Yeah, we pray into that, but we forget actually who, how people are doing right in front of us. The priests were so busy with the bigger thing. They were actually, they had a mission. So they're like pretty much, hey, you're not a part of this mission. Let me go. I have, things are going well for me. It actually may not just be things that you're doing, but also just life. It's not that bad right now. Actually, I'm just busy with life. It's good. My work has been really well. My friendships have been really great. You know, people are really awesome. Um, and so everything's falling quite well. So I really can't be bothered. The priest and the Levite, their, their attitude by walking around him was saying, I can't be bothered. My time is too precious. I can't be bothered right now. How many of us feel this way? We're so busy, we're so busy with life, we're so busy doing work, ministry, whatever, that we're like, hey, I actually can't be bothered. As much as you don't want to admit it, that's something that you're, you're pretty much saying through your actions. I can't be bothered right now with you. I'm sorry, friend, that's having a hard time with family. I can't be bothered. I'm sorry, friend, who lost their job. I can't be bothered. So now let's go to the Samaritan guys. The good Samaritan. So this is the individual that lived the right life, right? He didn't make anything about himself. He gave extravagantly. He poured out everything he had for this individu individual and asked for nothing. Okay? He asked for nothing. And so for him, we're able to, you know, as Christians, we're called to live this life like the good Samaritan. Correct? But you know what? Let's ask ourselves... How are we really doing? I'm not elaborating on the Good Samaritan because you guys know everything he did and it's really awesome. It's extravagant. But how are you really doing? Are you making excuses and trying to justify your actions? Are you actually in so much pain right now that you can't think about anybody else? Are you like the priests and Levites that say, I can't be bothered right now. I have so much going on in my life. It's so good. <laughs> 
you know, after reading this passage, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little bit stressed. Because Jesus says at the end, go and do the same as the good Samaritan, right? He's like, I'm like, for me, I'm like, what? If it were that easy, it's not that easy, God. Go and do the same like the good Samaritan, seriously? I don't even have that money, Lord. (laughs) As realistic as this is, right? You know, we can say, we can relate to all, you know, the, pretty much Jesus, he sort of run, works like this. Jesus works like this. You know, that pastor, he's like, be perfect for, uh, be holy for I am holy. Really? Is that possible? No. <laughs> okay. It's not. And so the whole point of this parable that I want you guys to come to is this. All three of these characters we can relate to. But what Jesus is trying to prove is that all three of these characters need him need Jesus. Jesus is actually our good Samaritan. Jesus is the one that goes out of his way for us, extravagantly gives to us. For him, he died for us, said, you owe me nothing. Even though you hated me, even though you despised me, even though, even though you like, you crucified me, right? Jesus said, he extravagantly gave. Why? Because he loved us so much. The story here is actually a redemptive story. It's not to point out that y'all have issues. We all have issues. And we all can relate to these characters. Like I said, I probably feel one way this today, and then yesterday I felt like a, a priest, right? He knows it's impossible to be perfect. He knows it. And so for us, as we seek him, He's the one that transforms us. He's the one that heals us. He's the one that speaks into our lives, right? He is our good Samaritan. And so for Emmaus, you know, to close, what I want to say is this. You guys have a little less than a month left. A little less than a month left until the semester ends. And what's the first greatest commandment? It's to love God, right? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is to love others as yourself. Correct? What makes this ministry so powerful is the fact that when you love God and encounter Jesus, and you're saying, Jesus, I need you because I feel like this individual right now. I can't be bothered. I need help. All of these things, right? My challenge to you guys is, can you love your neighbor as yourself? Are you going to be okay with your neighbor being nonchalant about this Christian life and saying, actually, I can't be bothered. I'm living pretty nice. Or the neighbor next to you that's crying for help and you know it, but you just don't want to get uncomfortable and you, you, they're just asking for it, yet you just overlook them. Or the, actually the believer that's so religious, okay, I don't, I'm not going to point people out, but I'm sure some of you guys think I'm living a good life, I'm comfortable, this is great. Can you be that believer, that good friend, that neighbor that loves that individual by lovingly confronting them, being like, hey, where you're at is not okay. Jesus, are you pursuing the Lord Jesus wholeheartedly? How awesome would it be if this ministry, right, Emmaus, each and every one of you guys, instead of thinking about striving to let, like, tell people about Emmaus, is first being intentional with one another, loving each other, loving each other really, and asking each other, how are you doing really? Are you really doing well? 
So for this next month, guys, it's Jesus that we're called to pursue. That's it. That's it. It's not striving to become a good Christian. And naturally, Jesus is going to be the one that expands this ministry. When you guys are full with him, when you guys like at the ridge, walking in freedom in him, that's what Jesus does. It's not you. Right. And so who are you in this parable? And now how can you be a good neighbor to one another? Cause stirring hunger in each other to pursue after Jesus. That's it. That's actually, if you guys want to write down one thing, it's just, we need Jesus. <laughs> okay. We need Jesus. Simple as that. And so let's be genuine. Let's walk in integrity with each other. Look to your neighbor, right? Look to your neighbor and, and just say to them, I'm going to really ask you how you are doing. Right? How you are doing. I'm going to really, really ask you. Okay, so, um, guys, let's close our eyes. Let's close our eyes.